Hello, and welcome to Solo Cristo, where we search the scriptures to find answers to cultural and biblical questions to help you find confidence in Christ. Welcome back to Solo Cristo. Uh, this is going to be episode two of us talking about the gospel. Last episode, if you didn't listen to it, go ahead and stop and go back and listen to the first part first, and then uh, you'll understand that this recap makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, last time we talked about kind of a little breakdown of what the gospel is. Right. Um, we talked about who Christ is, mm-hmm. what he did, and we kind of uh, wrapped up starting to talk about um, how what Christ has done is applied to us. And we wanted to kick this episode off just kind of picking right back up there and kind of finishing off the conversation of, you know, what, how is what Christ uh, accomplished on the cross applied to us? So we're just going to still go ahead and start off with that. Yeah, I think a good, um, uh, there, I mean, there's, there's multiple verses that talk about essentially how this, you know, how the gospel affects your life, how it, how it uh, applies itself to you. Now, the gospel, what it does is it um, can also be talked about as like the second birth, mm-hmm. right? It's like being born again. I'm sure you guys have heard yeah. that before. Um, and I think it's... Um, was it Zacchaeus or Nicodemus? I think it was Nicodemus um, where he has that conversation with yeah. with Jesus, and Jesus is like, you have to be born again. And he's like... How am I supposed? How am I supposed to enter my mother's womb again and be born? Like that is it's impossible. impossible. And God's like, yeah, it's you know, possible. It's impossible. It's impossible for man, you know, but it's possible uh, with God. Um, And so that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, okay, so how do I be? Mm, How do I be born again? Yeah, right. And that's Nicodemus. How does it look like when it does happen? Yeah, and the answer is, well, God is the only one who can do that in you. Um, But the visible vehicle, if you will that we can see of like, oh, that's how it happens, is faith, right? right? Um, and it's faith alone. Now, there's a great verse that I'm sure many of you have heard before. Um, Ephesians 2. Oh, no. I can tell Sorry, you it's 2.8. Yeah, so I was Ephes- about to read it. <laughs> Ephesians 2.8. Um, I'm having trouble talking into the mic. Uh, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we see here that grace is what saves us. It is through faith, so that's the vehicle that grace uses. Um, It uses our faith um, to apply that salvation to us. But it's not our own doing, it's a gift of God, um, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Um, So simply put, faith. Mm. Believe in Christ. and then Romans once uh, Romans ten nine says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's kind of get into some false gospels. What is that? We can kind of pick up in Galatians one, um, starting in verse six. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there isn't another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, 
if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one to the one that you received, let him be accursed. So wow. yeah. It's heavy words. It is, absolutely. So Paul is saying that they are turning to a different gospel and then kind of hits that like not that there is another one. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mean that obviously he's saying that they are twisting and turning the gospel into something it isn't. So obviously there is something. What he's saying is that there is no other genuine gospel. Right. So when he's saying that there is another gospel, he's saying that there is one that they have distorted and twisted. Yeah. So what are what are what are some false gospels that we see? Yeah, I mean there's there's something to be said to um the importance of getting the gospel right because I think um, the way a lot of people get tricked into false gospels, it's not that um, they are taught the true genuine gospel and then they are um, lied to. I think the gospel itself gets twisted so that they can use the gospel and verses in the Bible to Mm -hmm. um, trick people uh, because if they didn't do that, it'd be a lot harder to trick somebody into it because if you say something that's obviously against the Bible, it's going to be hard to fool, say, one of us if they don't use the Bible to prove, you know, the mm-hmm. Bible. But if they kind of um, misinterpret and misquote Scripture, that's when right. people get tangled up. People who aren't, say, mature in their faith, they're like, oh, that must, the way they interpret it must be correct. So these, this and that uh, must be true. So there's there's something to be said for clear teaching that we don't see much mm-hmm. that nowadays and the importance of, you know, getting the the genuine gospel right yeah yeah i think probably the most famous popular example um would be like the prosperity gospel right the yeah. the health and wealth yeah. gospel um which uh yeah, at the same time uh, there's actually a lot of people who have don't have issues with it you know and yeah. but there's a reason it's so popular yeah. right it's because it which i heard this said once i don't remember who said it but uh, somebody once pointed out that um what the what the prosperity gospel promises, or the health and wealth gospel, what it promises, is the exact same things that Satan offered to Jesus when he was tempting him. Yeah, right. I'll give you food. I'll give you power. I'll give you um, this these cities. I'll give you you know influence. All these things. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you everything that you, you that your flesh wants and desires. Right. Yeah. I'll fulfill all those earthly needs. Um, and Jesus, who is our example, obviously resisted that mm. um, and and took the lowly path, the humble path, right? Um, and then calls us to follow him in that. So I think there's something really truly to be said about that. Um, when I first heard that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, not to say that I was believing the prosperity gospel, but yeah. I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Um, that we are not promised here on earth um, perfect health, you know, unlimited wealth, influence, and power over over other human beings, right? Yeah. Um, what Jesus came to do was was save us from our own sins and um, bring us into an eternal kingdom of goodness, um, yeah. and uh, and and save us from from our own, you know, depravity, if you will. So, the the trouble with the prosperity gospel is that it it trades off. Um, this coming kingdom for temporal pleasures that are actually things that um, tempt us and often cause us to to fall into sin, right? Yeah. 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 So when I, when, 
when I think of false gospels, the the things that come to my mind are um, like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. um, religions that claim to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They use the same language, but preach something totally different. Preach a works-based salvation to a God that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And um, it's important to remember that like Second Corinthians says, we said in the last episode that the purpose of the gospel is to reconcile us to God by faith in Christ and his work. That is the, that is the end goal, that is the means of, of which it's done. And believing in a gospel that requires, you know, any faith plus works, any God, the gospel plus anything equals yeah. nothing. It's not the gospel. Yeah. I think I think um, it becomes very like intricate and detailed when you um, like th- some other gospels are easier to kind of um, disqualify. You look at it, you read it's like that's baloney. Like those are easy between like Mormons and all the other ones. But when you look at just Christianity and you have works based, works based, you have uh, Arminians, you have Calvinists, you have all those. Those are a lot more. You have to look at them in depth because on the surface they all seem the same, right? Um, and the, the gospel isn't just um, a way how you get saved. Like, it's it's not a way to get saved. It's it's the only way that you get saved is, yeah. is through the gospel. And when, you know, you have the, the works-based uh, gospel that I think a, a lot of people fall into, I say majority of people are probably yeah. uh, operating based on that kind of premise of the gospel and faith where, where you're good, where the good things you do have to outweigh the bad things um, on the, the heavenly scale. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is, like, they're, there is no scale. There's no. Uh, there's nothing good that you can do um, apart from from the gospel. So if when if you're operating from that premise where you try to be good, you know you have to go to church more times than you don't go to church. You you know you curse less. You do this less. You help grandmas cross the street more. Like that, if you think that's what's going to get you um, on God's good side, that's yeah. That's the fact that you're doing that for that reason is already um, going to completely topple over uh, your whole theology yeah yeah and that like it's it's nothing new to uh, to understand that there are false gospels obviously mm-hmm. they were doing it doing with it in the you know first century the uh, creation of the church and but even before that you know that's this is the issue that the pharisees had that there was no faith they were relying on their own works to get them into good graces with god and like Jesus dealt with it with the Pharisees. Paul deals with um, Jews becoming Christians, still reverting to their works in the law. Mm -hmm. It's, it's nothing new and it's something that requires conversation, requires correction. Um, And there's, there's so many, I don't even know how many now there are um, Abrahamic faiths. That's what they're called. Mm -hmm. Faiths that deal with, or that start with like the Torah and then get distorted or warped after that. Mm. Um, and all of these um, all of these different religions use a lot of the same language, but yeah. none of them, apart from Christianity, offer the true gospel, that through faith and faith alone, we can be reconciled to God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think that, yeah, even genuine believers, this is the one that, even genuine believers so often struggle with, you know, yeah. is importing our own works 
into our justification. You know, we, we are just so wired that way. You yeah. know, that's like s- such a part of our depraved like flesh is to want to earn something for ourselves. It's that pride yeah. within us. It's, um, and it's us even believing that we can actually do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but what, what God requires of us is to, um, is to come to him humbly and recognizing that I have no righteousness of my own apart from Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, Galatians two sixteen is a great, uh, verse for this. Um, and it says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Um, I would just encourage you, if if you struggle with, like me, you know, I I often struggle with really leaving behind any sense of performance attached to my salvation, yeah. you know? I really struggle with that, always have. Um, and if you're in the same boat where you just tend to have that, you know, in the back of your mind always of like, I need to maintain my salvation by doing X or Y. Like yeah. I had a good day so I can approach God. He's pleased with me. I had a bad day so I should, you know, like, man, like God's displeased. I should, you know, like am I on the, the brink of losing my salvation, X or Y, uh, whatever it may be. I would encourage you to read the entire book of Galatians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a short book. Even it's only a few chapters, a but it a couple it, hours to read, and it hammers this again oh, man. and again. Like I was just it reading, is so good. Uh, the beginning of Galatians three. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this: Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Mm-hmm. Did did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed was it in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Because yeah. I think we it's so common amongst genuine believers, as you said, to even come to an understanding of, okay, I am I am saved by by faith. I understand mm-hmm. that, but I d- still need to maintain my salvation yeah. then by my works. Mm-hmm. And Galatians, Paul in Galatians hammers that in, that no. Is is it started by s- the Holy Spirit and then maintained by the flesh? Absolutely not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I feel like Galatians is a, an amazing book. It's kind of like a, a, a simple version of, of Romans. If you read Verm, uh, Vermins, mm. <laughs> Romans, and you're like, man, I didn't understand anything. Go and read Galatians. It's pretty much a summary of Galatians. Um, of Romans. Yeah, in a lot less <laughs> chapters and easier easier language. It's just so clear, too. Yeah. He, like he, he tackles yeah. this exact issue of just, like what you said, you know, believers who have, over time, they've just gotten more comfortable with like, you know, maybe like I'm maintaining my works, you know, like, yeah. and it's just like, no, just, just as you started is how you continue. Yeah. It's always grace. It's always grace through faith. Hang on to that. Um, a, and another gospel I wanted to touch on, if you guys were mm-hmm. done with works. Um, I wish I could be done with works. Keeps <laughs> <laughs> coming back. Yeah. But, um, is, uh, I guess it doesn't really have a name, but I call it the, signs and wonders gospel 
And it's only something that I've been seeing kind of recently in the past couple of years. You guys may have heard this before, maybe not, but uh, I've heard a number of teachers recently say things like, um, if the gospel you're preaching is not accompanied by signs and wonders, oh, wow. then you're preaching a powerless gospel, right? And they, they, mm. they'll attribute the power of the gospel to signs and wonders, healings, yeah. gifts of the spirit, etc. And they say, if this isn't happening when you preach the gospel, then the gospel you're preaching is powerless. Yeah, I remember reading that in um, Kenneth Copeland 119 <laughs> or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it, it rocks me because I'm actually like, wow, people actually believe this. And, and they'll look at people like me who you know, believe differently or in my church where we don't have signed and signs and wonders, you know, every Sunday that we have the gospel preached. Yeah. Um, and they would say, man, you guys are preaching a powerless gospel. Yeah. You guys right. are missing out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when literally scripture says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for yeah. all men. Right. Mm-hmm. So that the gospel itself, the story of Christ and his redemption for us is in yeah. and of itself yeah. the greatest power of all. Um, but I did want to read uh, a scripture that kind of tackles this very directly. Um, Matthew 12, uh, verse 39, um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who are commanding him to show them a sign. Um, and this is actually right after he like uh, casts demons out of a person. And they're like, no, 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 like show us a sign and we'll believe. Like show us like a real sign. Like mm-hmm. really hit us with something and we will believe. Um, and he answers them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Mm. And what he's referencing is he's saying, the only sign I'm going to give you guys mm. is me being three days in the belly of, in the, the, belly of the whale, right? In the tomb and then rising yeah. again, just like Jonah did. Um, and he's saying, that's what I'm going to give you guys. Um, I'm not going to give you any of these other signs. Um, and, the reason why he's saying that is because um, obviously it's not the viewing of a miracle which saves you. Yeah. Right. It's the hearing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just really quick, I'm sorry, Luke 1631, um, just to cap this off. In Luke 1631, uh, Jesus also says, um, he says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Yeah, and that like, I hear so many people, um, mostly you know, skeptics or people who aren't Christians, saying like, "Oh well, I, if I, you know, if I saw someone perform a, a miracle, or if I saw a miracle happen right in front of me, then I would believe." Mm-hmm. And just historically, we know that's clearly not true because we saw. I, I think it's even when um, Jesus uh, uh, rises, rises, raises, roses, roses, r- raises Lazarus. <laughs> I do that every time. Ra- raises Lazarus from the dead. Uh-huh. It says like, oh yeah, like many many believed, and some people are like, mm, meh, maybe they tried to plot to kill him. Yeah, the council did after yeah. that, and it's like, no, nah, we ain't about that. And it's like, put him back to death. It didn't work the first about? time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like there are examples time and time after again where. Miracles are performed by Jesus himself uh-huh. and the disciples and people. Some people are like, yes, like we, we do believe. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not th- because of the miracle that they believed. It is through the preaching of the gospel yeah. that goes along with that. But even in the viewing of miracles, the the scripture is littered with people who see that and go, 
Yeah, that was kind of crazy, but I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, the gospel is not a, it's not a thing that can be right um, understood or you can't be convinced of it, you know, through the eyes. It's a, it's a soul, mm, yeah. It's a soul transformation, a heart transformation, a mind transformation. So, through you know, works and wonders like we've just been talking about. That's that's not where belief is is, is going to come from. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I've got a question for you guys. <laughs> Just a random question. Um, do you guys think that the gospel requires or demands anything of us? Like, is there anything that we have to like do to like enable it or to maintain it? Um, I think, I don't know if, that, if that's a good question or not. It's a terrible question. <laughs> I think we need to, the only thing is what, it's what, what's required of us once we believe the once we hear the gospel is to repent and believe and yeah. we can we can argue later about what it means uh or how we are a, we are enabled to believe the uh the gospel but the point is that you know we, you have to believe it to essentially you have to believe it for it to take effect w- and yeah, how that yeah, comes yeah. to pass we can talk about later but um in um mark 115 um it says, you know, the uh, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has um, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mm-hmm. In Acts yeah. thirteen sixteen thir- thirty one, um, they replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household." Yeah. Can you repeat the question again? Um, I'm just wondering, like, does the gospel demand or require anything of us to yeah. like gotcha. perform? Um, well, I was, I was, when you go first, cause I thought you were going to say this cause you said, uh, I've heard this before, but you said it right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a common saying that the only thing that we bring unto our own salvation is, is sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which proceeds, you yeah. know, here in the gospel. Yeah. Um, so after that, um, I think if you have questions on that, instead of us rattling on about it, I would suggest, like you said earlier, read through Galatians. Yeah. That's going to be where you'll find the best answers of the application of the gospel and the application of sanctification moving forward from there. Yeah. 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 I think just the reason I'm just very briefly to wrap that um, is just because I, I feel like it's often preached that it's like that, like full life sacrifice or surrender is like necessary for the gospel to really take effect in your life or else you're just faking it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you have to, not only do you have to believe and repent, but you have to like sacrifice yourself fully for Christ. You have to surrender all of yourself. The The problem with that is that there's no standard for it. You know, it's like, what is ultimate surrender? What is absolute sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. Do I have to go and, and, you know, like, give up my home? Do I have to move somewhere? Do I have like, and the thing is it immediately becomes workspace, right? Mm-hmm. But often when it's preached, it's not preached as workspace. It's preached as something different. They're like, no, no, no. We mean like, you just need to like sacrifice yourself. And it's like, well, even if I were to fully somehow sacrifice my entire life, God still wouldn't accept that because I'm not an unblemished spotless lamb. Christ is right. So when it comes to my own salvation, it's Christ's sacrifice as the spotless lamb that's accepted. Doesn't matter to what degree I sacrifice my own life. That will not, you know, move the needle on my on my salvation. Yeah. What it can do 
is move the needle on my sanctification, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I can be more conformed to the likeness of Christ and more obedient, right? Mm-hmm. But but it doesn't affect your salvation. salvation that's right. just... Um, yeah, so that's good. I guess I was trying to maybe trip you guys up. You were trying. <laughs> <laughs> and an unsanctified soul is not a soul that is not saved, basically. Is that... That make any sense at all? I'm trying to wrap my head. An unsanctified soul is not a soul that is not. Sa- <sighs> Whoa! You're saved at the, at the beginning, deep. before you're, you know, before you're fully sanctified. Full being fully sanctified is not something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I may have just not worded that well. Yeah, and I think the uh, the thief on the cross is a is a good example when people mm-hmm. try to talk about um, different like breaking down deep theological things and trying to apply yeah. it to certain things within the gospel it's always so important to go back to the thief on the cross and remember that, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't have any time to be sanctified. He didn't have any time to be uh, baptized. Yeah. He never took communion, yeah. like all these things. And, um, what's the, what's the Irish guy? Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg. You knew exactly where I was going. Yeah, He's yeah. Got there's only one Irish guy. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a few within a ligonier, but, um, anyway, um, he has such a cool little clip. Maybe we'll try to find it and post it along with this episode mm-hmm. of him talking about the thief on the cross getting to heaven and having people uh, talk to him and like, oh, like, what's your position on on this? What's your position on this? And it's like all these big theological debates that Christians have amongst ourselves. And mm-hmm. it's and he's like, ah, I don't I don't know what that what that is. And he's like, ah, oh, I don't I never heard of that. What does that mean? And eventually he's like, well why are you here? Like, who said you could come here? And he was like, ah, the guy that was on the cross next to me said I could come here and that I, yeah. you know, be eating dinner with him tonight. Like, mm-hmm. and it we is, we got a date. Yeah. Like <laughs> it is, it is as simple as that. Oof. Yeah. That just gave me chills. <laughs> Christ invites you, hear it you in. In, a, in a Irish accent. It's a lot better. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot better. Not that your voice isn't great. <laughs> There's a, but you can't, you can't, none of us can compete with an Irish accent. I wish I could, I could remember the, uh, other guy's name that uh is he does a lot of work with Ligonier and uh they were doing a panel and uh RC Sproul was on there too and RC Sproul answered a question and it went to him and he was like well I'm just going to tell you the exact same thing but with a different accent (laughs) sometimes it sounds better with a different accent we need to do it different accents eventually we just need to find someone with a different accent with our with our changing uh times and the way this world is going um do we need to alter or change the way we present the gospel to hmm. to this world? Is that um, is that something we're allowed to do or not? Um, I think when it comes to sharing and presenting the gospel, there may be different ways that um, different means of maybe kind of getting a conversation started, or you know, be different ways to relate with people. But I think the number one way that we can always relate to people is making sure to understand that just as much as the people we're trying to share the gospel with are sinners, so are we. And creating that level playing field from the beginning, saying, hey, I'm a sinner. It's not, I'm now saved and I need to go get all these sinners. I'm a sinner. So there's always, no matter what the culture changes no matter what changes within me no matter what changes within other people that's always going to be the reality that i'm a sinner that was in need of a savior and so is this other person 
mm-hmm. just as much as I was a sinner and just as much as I was in need of a savior, they are too. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, someone once said that uh, evangelism, true evangelism is, um, is only this one beggar telling another beggar how to find bread. Yeah. Mm. Right. So there, there's, you know, there's no boasting at all in evangelism. In fact, evangelism should be a very humbling yeah. um, thing that yeah. we should all, we, sh- we all should be doing. Um, and my answer to that question that I just asked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I may, Love it. Uh, is yes and no. Um, oh. You can uh, read in, um, in Corinthians, Corinthians uh, 117, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Um, hmm. I think that I agree with with Chris where um, there are different means of presenting the gospel. For With some people, um, you, you meet a guy on the street, you present the gospel to him. With somebody else, it's... Um, it's someone you may need to work on a little bit more. You create conversation. You uh, create a friendship. You invite him over uh, or her over, ho- whoever, however that that goes, um, and you preach the gospel that way. Uh, but I think when we um, take, I guess, things too far and we almost create like a like a guideline to how to, mm-hmm. to preach the gospel, I think that could possibly um, lead to maybe even false like effects if we like create um, – a certain pattern of, of how we present it yeah. that works the most. And we kind of rely on that. I think that's when that can go wrong. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, it was, it was never our, it's never our job to convince anybody of the gospel. We just per- present yeah. it, present it to them. You, you, um, you throw the seed out and then God makes, mm. yeah. And the Holy makes something grow or yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So that's absolutely kind of my answer. That's a yes and a no kind of a weird Yeah. So answer. I guess then kind of jumping off that whole evangelism, um, there's obviously the scripture, and I think we mentioned it earlier, either this episode or the the one before, uh, where Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel because mm-hmm. um, it's the power of God unto salvation. Um, but you know, kind of talking about evangelism, have you guys ever been ashamed of the gospel? And and if you have, if there's been a moment where you felt shame or kind of embarrassment about the gospel, why do you think that is? Um, I don't think I would ever say that I've been ashamed of the gospel. Um, I think being, you know, I, like in my workplace in particular, I'm, I work around, you know, I'm in construction. So there's obviously, you know, what people think about construction around a lot of roughneck, a lot of crude language, a lot of, um, a lot of not, uh, very Christian settings. If you want to say that, mm-hmm. um, I get, I get called kind of a stick in the mud a lot. Um, and which means it, uh, like I get, I get made fun of a little bit for, I'll get, I'll get called like a Bible thumper or mm-hmm. a, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a good or thing. A, I didn't really know what stick in the mud meant. But really? Yeah. You're no fun. Kentucky. I don't think that's Kentucky thing. It's, it's, a, it's an American thing. Really. You can continue. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, um, yeah, getting called a Bible thumper or just no fun or something. Yeah. And, um, I've had conversations with other people, you know, in similar situations that they're like, that such sinful things are so common in the workplace there mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you, it's easy to stand out mm-hmm. and some, for some people it's not, um, but it's, it's easier to blend in, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. It forces me to be in a position of drawing boundaries and also, opens up conversations of why and um 
that has happened, you know, a few times of conversations of like, um, oh, like I like, actually, this is not something I want to be around. And yeah. people will be like, oh, like what? You loser? Why? Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's opportunities like that. Well, where you have to make a decision, and you have to make a decision to either conform to society or, you know, live out what you're called to do and to be and use those opportunities to have conversations about the gospel, about God, about Christ, what he's done, who he is, what he's called you to do. And um, I don't know if that answered your question at all. May not have, <laughs> but... Um, the question about you, so whether it makes sense or not is up to you. Um, ashamed of the oh. gospel. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, ashamed of the gospel, no. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Um, in, I, yeah. Someone else answered that question. Yeah, better. I mean, when I was younger, <laughs> um, if I'm being completely honest, I, I'd say I probably I would say I was yeah, ashamed yeah, of the gospel. Same. But at the same time, I had I didn't really know the gospel. It yeah. wasn't my own. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until you know my early 20s when you know God opened my heart to it, and I fully understood it through the help of you know some friends that explained it to me and kind of uh, did some work upon me. Um, so I, I I would say, if I'm being honest, I, when I, when I was younger, I'd say I was ashamed of it. Um, but as I kind of learned to understand it and maybe even kind of defend it and explain it, um, it was less, um, it became, it turned from kind of more shame and kind of embarrassment to more of like, I, I became scared of, um, like I was limited by my fear of rejection or right. the fear of not <coughs> being able to answer a question where like mid presentation of the gospel, someone was like, all right, but what about this? And I wouldn't know what to say and I'd look like. I have no idea what I'm talking about, you know. So th- th- those are kind of the things that yeah. kind of scare me, and um, I wouldn't call them shame. It's just I don't know if it's just lack of confidence or if I don't I don't know what it is, but um, I'd say I'd say everybody at some point, um, whether you know it or not, goes through like a phase of maybe not, not Chris. Everyone except Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, goes yeah, through like a that. form of shame or embarrassment or oh, I don't want to tell yeah. this person because they might think yeah. I'm weird. Um, it might be shame mixed with a little bit of pride and a little bit of embarrassment, but like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've definitely also experienced that. Um, and not even just when I was young, you know, especially also when I've been older and stuff and it's yeah. like, there'll be a day or like an experience where you, you know, there's someone there that like the thought crosses my mind where it's like, Oh, I could share the gospel or, or X or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and yet I don't, and some, and sometimes it would be like the, just the thought of like, oh, they'll be all right. Kind of, you know? And, yeah. and, and I, as I think back on it, I'm like, man, it's cause in those moments, in that moment in my life, Jake, just those two minutes, I wasn't even convinced of the gospel, like the gospel's greatness to my own life, mm. you know, yeah. that it really is good news. Yeah. Like, there are times where I have an opportunity to share the gospel and my thought is like, man, they're just going to think this is like bad news. Yeah. You know, they're going to they're gonna be like, oh man, I don't want to get all burdened down with your Jesus. And that's when I yeah. realized like, man, is it, am I thinking that because I feel a sense of burden yeah. from the gospel? And so I've actually just been thinking about this recently for my own self of like, man, how convinced am I that the gospel is good news? Yeah. Like for everyone who hears it, it's, it's not a burden to lay upon their shoulders of like, hey, you can be saved. Now follow this laundry list of, of you know, laws and things that are going to make your life horrible. Or am I really convinced that like, hey, like Christ has 
redeemed the entire universe and he's coming back for his bride, for his people, and he's going to create this new heaven and new earth where we're gonna we're gonna live with him for eternity in perfect joy. Yeah. Like, am I convinced of that enough to where like I really think that like where I'm just willing to tell someone that? You know, and I'm reminded of like I as I was thinking on this, I like was thinking on like World War Two and, and V Day, like the Victory Day, when it was like all the newspapers went out like, you know, Hitler dead or whatever, like the war is over and people just taking to the streets and just spreading the good news. Yeah. Like it was good news for everyone that there was freedom now. You know, there was safety, there was peace, like everyone needs to hear this. And at times I don't feel that same um sense of reality about the gospel yeah. as those people did, you know, and and that makes me feel shame about mm. you know how I feel about it. Um so yeah, I just wanted to uh yeah. Confess a bit. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that being said, what are some, you know, we, we kind of hit on a little bit of this, but what are some actual practical ways of having gospel conversations or sharing the gospel with people? Or are there any um, examples of times you've got to share the gospel with unbelievers? Or um, if so, like what are some ways that you went about that? And yeah. Actual, you know, real world examples mm-hmm. of ways you can have yeah. those conversations because it's not always easy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I found it surprisingly difficult. Um, yeah. For, an, for, because of an, an unexpected reason where, um, it's not that the people like I'm around that I at work where I can, um, potentially, you know, evangelize to it's that they know just enough to be pretty ignorant about what the true gospel is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to church, right? Pretty much everybody goes to church. Um, down here in Kentucky. Down here, yeah, you have to yeah, kind of throw that <laughs> in there. Um, yeah. So it, it, I was surprised how hard it is to, to talk to somebody because you're, you're telling them like the gospel and they're like, yeah, I agree with all that. And then you're like, well, oh, I, I thought you were <laughs> because of the way I see you living your life and, you know, the way you conduct yourself and the things you say, like, you, you, know, you had me fooled. Like, my bad. I'll, I'll leave, now, you know? So yeah. I found it, like, I was surprised. Like, mm-hmm. like how do I even approach, like, approach this now? Do I still just keep hammering the gospel eventually yeah. until, it, you know, s- something happens? Or do I need to kind of change things up and be like, hey, and I also don't want to come, like, off, hey, man, I don't think you are, like, yeah. a Christian. Where, like, I'm kind of scared of, like, kind of yeah. offending them, which I shouldn't be, I feel like. But at the same time, I'm not trying to, you know, deliver this good message in a bad mm-hmm. way and kind of lose that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So in that aspect, I found it very difficult to where I'm still trying to find um, an approach to yeah. evangelize to certain people. There are certain people where that works where you just yeah. throw, you know, the gospel at them and... Um, <laughs> and it sticks. And, well, and it's the <laughs> yeah. first time they're hearing it and they're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, it can be very tough. I think it is, it's way harder to share some, share the gospel with someone who was raised, you know, in the West in a Christian culture right. and speaks, you know, Christ- Christianese Jeez, yeah. that under that, you know, knows all the words, but has their own definition to them. Kind of, it's, it's much easier to just straight up share the simple gospel with an atheist or like someone that's actively religious in a different religion to be like, Hey, you know, like this is actually mm-hmm. the good news. This is the bad news and the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it is, in my life most difficult to to 
have those conversations with people who think they already know the good news. Yeah. It's yeah. almost easier to preach to somebody who hates God than it is to somebody who just has a slightly tweaked view. Who yeah. isn't fully aware that they hate yeah, God. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's obviously like that's where I think what comes into play is like what you mentioned earlier, maybe like 10 minutes ago or so <laughs> about um, where you don't, our job isn't to convince anyone. Mm-hmm. Like we don't yeah. have to, you know, kill ourselves about this certain right approach or like what should I say or not say that's going to push them away or bring them near, you know, through man's devices. Right. And yet that so often will bog us down and keep us from having the conversation at all, you know, as opposed to just understanding that like the gospel is a historical account of like things that happened. And that account is the power of God into salvation. Like me letting someone know this happened. Like, and then, and then you plant the seed, like you mentioned, you know, one waters and then God brings the growth. Um, But only God can bring that growth from there. Um, But I think in my experiences, I've had some really cool conversations with people that have led to the gospel that started off in very unholy conversations, <laughs> almost like, mm. like astrology, you know, uh, someone starts talking about their astrological yeah. signs and then, you know, I'm like, Oh, this, okay. Well, so here's like, Jesus. we're talking about spiritual <laughs> matters, you know? So, you know, start to, Oh yeah. Interest in that, you know, talking about it and then, you know, leading it to like, Oh, well, here's what I believe about all that in light of you know, Christ. And I think what's important is like to keep an open mind about not being afraid of certain conversations. Cause I think sometimes certain believers will hear something that's just so like, Oh, that's just like, I don't even want to talk about that. That's like bad. You know, I don't want to have a conversation about them getting drunk last night or, or this or that or astrology or, you know, witchcraft or whatever. Yeah. Yet at the same time, like those conversations are oftentimes a good place to pivot to the gospel because yeah. it's conversations about things that aren't just, you know, mm-hmm. rudimentary, like what'd you eat for dinner? But that's harder to present the gospel to, you know, yeah. when you're having a conversation about little things, but when it starts to get deep or like profound or someone's sharing hurt, you know, I think that's yeah. really ripe ground to do that. Um, but then there's also, you can also preach the gospel by standing on a street corner and presenting it, you know, yeah. not just one-on-one conversations. Like, um, but what's most important, I think, is just presenting that account of what truly happened on the cross. Yeah. And I think uh, there was uh, fairly recently I was having a conversation with a guy who was, um, he was kind of at a point where he's like, I, I believe that there has to be some sort of creator. Like this, mm-hmm. this can't just be accident. He was like, I I'm not all in on the, the big bang or anything like that, but I, f- I do feel like something or someone had to set this into motion. Yeah. And, you know, Romans one validates that saying that, you know, um, all men have it written on their heart. Um, I don't have it pulled up, but we can yeah, read Romans one, one. Um, but, and I think that's always a good place to start that an acknowledgement that, there is a creator simply put there is a creator and then from there moving to with that creator what sin is sin has separated us so we have that creator we have what separated us and then moving to christ who he is what he's done and how that is applied to us that that method of reconciliation to him and sometimes that is a very simple 
45 second mm-hmm. conversation yeah. sometimes it turns into a, lar- a longer one years yeah absolutely yeah. sometimes yeah it's multiple multiple conversations yeah. um i think one thing that I'll, that held me back from having those conversations early on and still does absolutely at times is fear of not having all the answers mm-hmm. and i think it's important to point out that we don't have to because if we are able to present the gospel that is what's most important Mm -hmm. that is that method of salvation that god has chosen for us to use and even if we don't have the answers to all the follow-up questions we need to see has been planted right yeah so the damage has been done (laughs) (laughs) if you will if you will Um, because especially how you were saying like having a conversation with astrology mm -hmm. my first thought would be like okay i have to present the gospel and like biblically defend why astrology is (laughs) wrong (laughs) is is wrong yeah and like having those two contradicting thoughts and i think it's important to be like even if you get you know don't aren't able to articulate biblically why it's wrong to practice astrology but you're able to get the gospel out and get it presented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what should be at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as we wrap this episode, um, any final thoughts on the gospel you guys want to share before we say goodbye? Nope. (laughs) All right. Well, obviously this has been a very fun episode. Um, but there's also a lot of, weight of importance behind this because the gospel, again, we've said it multiple times, it is the power of God unto salvation. So um, I'd encourage you, if you are listening to this episode and something's stirring within you and you've you know struggled to believe or, or let's say you've latched on to works, your own works for a long time or, um, or any of the other things you know that we mentioned, um, cling to Christ, believe on him, what he did on your behalf. Not only... Um, you know, if you put your trust in him, if you trust that he died for the for your sins and that his righteousness is applied to you, then he keeps you, right? Mm-hmm. He saves you. Yeah. Um, and that is the gospel. So believe it. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for listening to Solo Christo. We hope that you found this episode insightful and encouraging to your walk with Christ. Please consider leaving a review and feel free to check us out on Instagram to continue the conversation and weigh in on future topics. 